Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember, subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. This week's Fiber for Breakfast brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Wesco. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now in our 50th episode of 2023. Hard to believe 50 episodes, but uh, goes by so quickly. Um, before I kick off, I'd like to thank our thank Wesco, the platinum sponsor of Fiber for Breakfast, and our gold sponsor, Network Connects. You know, in Washington this week, comments are due. Uh, tomorrow, Thursday, December 14th, to the FCC on proposed reclassification of fixed and mobile broadband as a telecommunications service under Title II of the Communications Act of 1934. And of course, FBA will be submitting comments. You know, we certainly don't want uh, any kind of chilling effect from the FCC that might kill our all this great CapEx momentum we have right now on broadband infrastructure. Uh, yesterday, the FCC affirmed the denial of Starlink's RDOF application. Uh, so FBA does applaud the FCC's decision to resend the $885 million previously awarded to Starlink for RDOF and to uphold this decision as this award would have redlined a large portion of the Midwest and Pacific Northwest from being eligible for fiber from BEAD and other funding programs. You know, we're building out critical broadband infrastructure for generations to come. And we should not be using precious taxpayer dollars as short-term band-aids for good enough connectivity. Also, the state bead initial proposals are due December 27th to NTIA. You know, there's still many outstanding proposals for both volume one and volume two. Speaking of 2024, our first regional Fiber Connect workshop next year will be on February 8th in Richmond. And we have an amazing lineup of speakers including Joey Winder from Treasury, who still has a billion dollars left to spend on broadband infrastructure from the Treasury Capital Projects Fund. You know, registration for Richmond is now open, so please register today because this event will sell out. And you can see the upcoming um, Fiber Connect workshops we have through the year. Um, following Richmond, we have Little Rock in April, Deer Valley, Park City in June, Des Moines in September, and Albuquerque in November. And of course, our big Fiber Connect 2024 conference in Nashville is going to be July 28th to 31. And that is going to be epic. So I know that you guys will want to join us. Speaking of epic, we are, I hope you can join me for the epic conclusion of Where's the Funding next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. You know, it's a great series. And as we've explored issues such as the 25% match and letter of credit, and we have a great finale planned for you. So I hope you'll join us next week. That brings us today's Fire for Breakfast session with our good friend and strategic partner, Mike Render, the CEO and principal analyst of RVA uh, Market Research, is going to be sharing with us the latest deployment numbers are in and just how fast is Fiber Broadband moving. You know, today on Fire for Breakfast, our guest and good friend and strategic partner is Mike Render, the CEO and principal analyst of RVA Market Research, is going to be sharing with us the latest deployment numbers are in just how fast is fiber broadband moving? So Mike uh, is the CEO and principal analyst of RVA Market Research and Consulting based in Tulsa. 
Uh, Mike has been a partner with the Fiber Broadband Association since 2002 and is generally known as the North America's premier market research um, firm tracking fiber optic deployment and consumer attitudes towards broadband. He has assisted some of the world's largest telecom corporations, individual communities, and the FCC. So welcome, Mike. And for our audience, please type in your questions go, and uh, we'll work them into Q&A at the end. With that, let me turn things over to Mike. Very good, Gary. So yes, I'm excited to bring you the new numbers. <clears throat> we do this about this time every year. And uh, this is about the 21st uh, extension of that. Next slide, please. We use a number of methods to get to our to our data, just for your background. You know, obviously no data is perfect, but we really try to triangulate from many different ways. Of course, we look at public information. We look at uh, our own surveys. We do a number of surveys, about 250, 300 each year of smaller providers in different ways. And then of course we use data from our consumer study, which also uh, helps validate numbers as far as take rates and, and types of providers and so forth. And then of course the FCC data, formerly the 477 data, now the mapping data, uh, data from other industry associations, and of course interviews and data from vendors and engineers. So we triangulate all this and really come try to come up with uh, what I think is a pretty accurate view of, of the current situation with fiber. It, it was the worst of times. In one sense, this year has been tough. Let's go to the next slide. The next slide shows that um, you know, this is an index of five stocks that relate to fiber, especially in the U.S. And as you can see, it's been pretty tough. It's a crash of about 60% over the past year. And uh, the question is, why Why is that? Uh, when, as you'll see, things look pretty bright in another sense. So next slide, let's go to, to that. And it shows, here's, a, here's an example from some public data of a couple of different people where we analyzed there in the left, it's an outside plant vendor, excuse me, um, in North America with quarterly sales against an index set to the same scale of fiber movement and projection. And you can see there's a huge bubble at the end of 21 and 2022, uh, which, which exceeded that trend line. And that, uh, as many of you know, in the, in the space, occurred because there had been a shortage uh, of supplies to some extent and people were kind of building up to try to make sure they had the had the weaponology in their in their uh, storehouse to to go forward but they overdid it a bit and then of course interest rates raised and financial people are saying we need to get that inventory down so uh, sales have dropped quite a bit for that company uh, down below the trend line we think it'll probably might go a little bit lower and then trend start trending back upwards again same thing from the fiber vendor, in this case, uh, everywhere but China, but you can still see the bubble in 2022 and then dropping below. So um, it's a it's an inventory correction um, factor that just uh, has come into play. So at the same time, Charles Dickens said it was the best of times. And the next slide will show where we are. And here's the, the drum roll with the, the new record set for annual growth about 9 million homes passed by uh, network operators in 23. And this is the US alone. And uh, so as you can see, you know, we hit some other peaks, uh, 4 million back in 2008, 7.2 million in 2019. And now we've surpassed all that to 9 million. 
uh, about 6 million uniquely passed homes. And uh, those are homes that, uh, you know, excluding homes that are passed by two or three fiber providers. So just how many homes are passed. And this shows where we are cumulatively. We're now at about 78 million homes passed, including uh, second and third passings. 13% growth, and we're now up to about 30, 31 million homes connected. So, you know, we've come a long, long way since our first review of this when, when it was about 9,000 homes passed, not 9 million. So things have really moved. I can remember when <laughs> predicting a million homes past a year was kind of met with some skepticism, and here we are with uh, 9 million. And here's the cumulative on unique homes passed. Uh, to about 69 million unique homes passed against that 31 homes connected. And, you know, more and more, we are seeing some places where fiber is going to uh, the same home with, with multiple providers, uh, you know, the, the MSO provider or a competitive provider against the telco perhaps, but, but this is occurring. Gary knows that well where he's sitting in, in Huntsville. There's several providers. So um, it's a phenomenon out there as well. And take rates, this is a view of the take rates. Uh, the most important view is in the blue. The, the orange line shows against all passings. The blue is against unique passings. So how many homes that could get fiber are taking it? And you can see it dips somewhat. I've talked about this before. Uh, when, it, when growth accelerates, it takes a while to get those passings completed or connections. So it dips a bit, but we're actually on the rise again, despite acceleration up to about 45.4 average passings. And uh, so that's that's pretty exciting. And we'll see this seems to be accelerating in some ways. Here we show the uh, passings as compared, and you've seen some, most of you have seen this slide before, but we'll keep updating it. We're now past 50%, 51.5% of households in the US, uh, primary households connected, uh, I'm sorry, passed. And you know, there's a smaller percent of unique uh, second homes, Airbnb, and so forth. But just looking at the purport that's uh, part that is focused on primary homes, that that's a big measure. Uh, we're actually at 50%. That was a long-time goal of Fiber Broadband Association, and and uh, we've now passed that and going going on to the next one. Um, obviously, doing it at a faster pace than coax. And, and copper did, which took more years, even though there were fewer homes at the time, of course, but uh, it's a difficult challenge, but fiber is actually really accelerating this year. And in Canada, it's doing well as well, uh, about 11, over 11 million, uh, tw uh, 12 million homes marketed, 11 million unique estimated, 5 million connected. In their case, this includes resellers because um, they, the the providers have to uh, allow people to buy wholesale and sell as a as a competitive provider. But very similar take rate, things are doing well in Canada as well. They've actually gone to a little higher percentage of their overall uh, household base than, than the US. Of course, it gets tougher from here in Canada because of the rural nature of much of Canada. Now, uh, this shows the diversity of providers that is increasing over time. We're now at uh, about 65% of the big guys, the tier one telcos, um, you know, the AT&Ts and Verizons and Frontiers. 
and derivatives that they've sold some property to. But that's actually gone down as a percent over time. Uh, the smaller guys, which are about 1,400 players uh, now, a huge number of players in the United States, continue to increase in percentages. And all of these groups are important. They've all played an important role in the rollout of fiber from rural electrics, municipals, MSL cable companies, CLEX, which really means competitive providers, and then the, the telephone incumbents, the tier twos and threes, which have been very important in the history of fiber. And finally, of course, the, the tier ones. Um, why is this occurring? Winning isn't just getting ahead of your, uh, others, it's getting ahead of yourself. And fiber really does that, as you'll see in the next slide, where uh, this is from our com consumer study, which some of you saw earlier this year, but just reaffirming that in every case, in our tests that we do during our survey, random sampling tests, uh, fiber is at the very top. You know, the best, the best speeds, the lowest cost, the lowest latency, the least jitter. In every category, fiber uh, just just beats the competition in the real world. These are all real world, through Wi-Fi, out through the network, and back kind of tests. And uh, interestingly, almost everyone now, uh, some smaller providers are not yet, but almost everyone is providing a gig or more, as you can see. Uh, so uh, this is just really unique in, in the in the internet world, and of course many of these uh, their their at least top tiers are, are symmetrical as well, which no one else can do in terms of other uh, types of uh, uh, delivery. And we showed this uh, in our consumer study as well. When we ask people, well, what's the best delivery method overall? No matter what you currently have, what's best? Now we're almost a two thirds saying fiber, which is uh, truly uh, a milestone. Uh, you know, it wasn't too far back when people were confused about 5G wireless and so forth, but now it's clearly fiber. And as you can see by type, uh, their current type of delivery, uh, people that tend to be fiber are even higher, up as high as 97% saying fiber. But even people like MSOs who have some fiber, but but much less, you know, even there, 54% are saying fiber is the best, which I would say would be a pretty worrisome sign for uh, for cable companies that are not moving to fiber. Many are, but uh, not particularly the largest two. And you know, we continually see that that fiber wins among those churning the past two years. This is just the past two years. If you just look at that little slice of data, cable modem is losing and fiber is winning. And the next slide, you can see that the the um, uh, next, yeah, so we, we show just um, consumer uh, market share over time, the green line, the fiber, and the blue line is currently the leader cable up on top, but it's, it's kind of starting to slip a little bit. In every case through history, whatever's best at the time eventually wins and takes the share, and you can see that occurring. It's taking longer for fiber because it's not, it can't just be converted with a flip of a switch. It's obviously meaning building out the whole nation, but that is occurring as well. So fiber share continues to grow. Uh, you know, and some people are showing that in their public information that their first year take rate is really improving. It's, you know, doubling or tripling what they get in the first year over what they used to get in that first year or first few months. And um, that really is great for their revenue. It probably pretends a greater eventual final take rate. You know, it takes, you know, five, seven years before the, the take rate kind of stabilizes. But uh, 
that just shows more of evidence that fiber is being cons consumed and preferred by consumers. And, um, you know, if you don't know where you're going, you'll end up somewhere else. Uh, just a quick view, you, you know, there's a lot, as you know, of, uh, of addressable households out there. I'm going to speed up just a little bit. We're getting clo close to the end here, but um, 140 million to go, or 140 million opportunity between primary homes and second homes. The next slide shows the growth anticipation from public funding, just huge funding. This is from Jeffries, um, and it just shows the, the amount that is being awarded, not necessarily transmitted at that point, but huge growth over time. And the next slide shows that the private money just continues to flow as well. Here's, here's a list of some of the people that have been getting involved for private equity on top of the money that's coming from reinvested by service providers itself. So all this money is flowing because there's a need and an opportunity with the fiber. Uh, and a bend in the road is not the end of the road unless you fail to make the turn. Uh, here we're showing the, the challenges. And interestingly, this um, meets up exactly with the little poll that we took at the beginning of this. Uh, workforce labor is the number one concern from our uh, uh, providers, mid-sized and smaller providers in our survey. And cost was number two, and then materials supply concerns, number three. And then you get into regulatory uh, concerns, permitting, feed regulations, um, things like locates and specific things, pole access and so forth. So um, there are concerns out there. The Fiber Broadband Association is the place that is really trying to work on all these concerns and smooth the road for, for people going forward. And I think the final slide is the next one. And uh, yeah, um, I think we'll just skip that for now. But uh, Gary, let's let's um, stop it there and um, feel free to take any questions. Mike, as usual, um, fantastic work and really exciting. I mean, nine million homes, a new record on fiber deployment. Um, so you have to scratch your head, right? When uh, on the deployment side, you know, we went from 8.3 million last year's big record to nine million homes. Yet the supply side, you know, the factories are quiet and, you know, the, our suppliers have been in this industry have been struggling this year um, from the oversupply in the previous years. When are we going to be worked down at inventory? When are things going to normalize? Well, I wish I could answer that question exactly. And I know uh, people that work for these companies are getting that question from their CEOs every day. But I think we're getting close. Um, I think, um, you know, we, in our survey, we did ask what was your highest level in terms of months of supply and what's your current level. It's definitely getting down there. It could be turning around basically now or it could be the first part of the year. And it really depends on the type of vendor. There's differences in uh, the excess supply for fiber cable versus uh, outside plant enclosures and so forth. So it's hard to say, but I think many people will be seeing that uh, soon. And I think also some providers are really realizing that this is an opportunity to build while they have workforce <clears throat> available before all the additional government money hits. So I, I expect uh, deployment to turn up even further. And so I think, uh, I think things could really start bouncing back pretty quick. So, what I mean, we did nine million this year. So what what do you think we'll do next year, 2024? 
Well, we do an annual forecast. And growth or? We have, you know, this is the time of year where we re renew our forecast report. We haven't done that yet. So I can't say with any precise number, but I think it will be definitely up in that range. Mm -hmm. You know, most people think it'll be later 24 or even 25 before the bead money really starts flowing in a big way. But there's other government money out there and all this private money. So we really need to analyze that carefully. But barring, you know, some geopolitical economic catastrophe, we, we expect a, a good increase next year. So 2024 will be another record year fiber deployment. Uh, we still have to draw down some inventory. Um, can you talk a little bit about the annual, the seasonality? I mean, obviously, if you're in Minnesota, it's probably not, um, or right. in Alaska, you're not doing a lot right. of construction of, you know, of fiber. Can you talk about how the seasonality impact and, and, sure. and when we can see yeah. the deployment? Well, definitely, definitely there is some seasonality, and you can see that uh, through some statistics we've looked at, not in our case from our own research, but other research. And uh, definitely, you know, this time of year is the, the slowest, the first part of, uh, of the year after Christmas, but basically weather-related uh, coldness. Um, but then you, you know, you reach your peak, uh, you know, in the middle of the summer. So that does have an impact, but I think the seasonality won't impact the buying as much because people tend to realize that that, that, that is just a factor they have to live with, so. What about, does that get offset? I mean, I know operators like to spend their capital CapEx in the first half of the year so they can get the, the benefits in the second half. Does that get offset much or is it just? Yeah, I think there is some offset there. I think, you know, if you, I haven't looked at this really closely, but to the extent I have, it looks like the buying patterns are not, you know, adjacent to the seasonal patterns. You know, people, obviously are getting prepared for their 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 year of build and want to make those commitments and so uh, you know that's the other side of the story they don't want too much inventory um the the risk would be people draw down their inventory too far you know they're getting pressure from their financial people who, who are financing things at a much higher rate but i would recommend that people don't go too far you know things things are things are going to things could snap back in the other direction pretty dramatically just because of the the um the the, the build speed that we're seeing acceleration uh, mia can you go to that slide that says fiber wins among those turning in the past few years um this slide i think is quite a bit different than the last study you did two years ago yeah so in the last time you did this as i recall you know fiber took tons of market share um but wireless lost two points of market share, now gained 11 points. And then the other big thing is DSL took the brunt of it. Obviously, we've worked out a lot of DSL out of the network. So now cable modems has taken the, the most loss in market share. So what, what's going on with fixed wireless? What, Why are we seeing it yeah. go from minus two to plus 11? Sure. Well, despite the fact that 5G was not the panacea that it was promoted to be, um, it is better, you know, and where it has been promoted, used even in uh, the mid-band range, which which doesn't give that potential of a of a high band range, um, it has allowed many people to move from 
poor DSL or poor cable or or uh, or whatever to a wireless solution where they're maybe went from two megabit, you know, 10 megabits, two megabits up to 20 or even 50 with wireless. So there has been improvement and for some people it's been a big improvement. And so you're actually seeing pretty good uh, net promoter scores and so forth, but there's just a limit there. And the wireless companies realize that uh, this, this, this jump is over. Uh, now it gets tougher and uh, they also have to be very careful with their spectrum and they can't, you know, they brutally admit they can only do so many wireless, uh, uh, fixed wireless people with their spectrum to maintain what they need for their mobile networks and so forth. So, so what you're saying yes, it's is a jump, but I don't think it'll continue. So it's a short term phenomenon, a little bubble, yeah. especially as fiber goes from 10 gig to 25 and terabits and so forth. So. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, and then, you know, how is CSL still holding some market share? Is that just because that's the only thing available? I think that's primarily the reason. I mean, there's also just stickiness in the market. Some people, you know, it's a hassle to move. Some people are slow to move. But uh, as you can see on the slide showing market share, DSL has just been crashing over the last few years. So it's it's uh, very little of that left. Uh, I, I'm actually on a, a DSL line at the moment, but fiber yes. is at my doorstep. So I will have it next time we do this talk. Um, yeah, we had a, someone asked to go back to the slide on private investment, it's huge. And I, I think they wanted to see the, and these slides are available, right Mia, you can, um, people can just request them and they'll send them to them. Sure. Yes. So a couple of slides after this. Mia, can you advance? Yeah, there you go. No, keep going, no, let's see. It's before that one, two slides before that one. One of the first slides, yeah, right there. Next one, next one. There you go. So they wanted to see, do you have any other commentary? I mean, I get calls every day, people wanting to private equity and other investments, not only domestically, but from all over the world, people are looking to invest in the US. Um, yeah, I mean, the, there's just uh, been a huge realization that uh, for every door of fiber, the, that valuation is much higher than than some other kind of internet. And in these tough times, uh, people have seen the opportunity to get a, a very solid return on their investment, whether they continue to operate it or whether eventually they'll be, you know, flipping companies and consolidating some companies. But um, as you can see, and this is just a sample of some of the people, hopefully I've spelled everyone correctly there, but um, many people have seen this as a huge opportunity for, for a good investment in the past couple of years. Well, Mike, as always, fantastic research. Really appreciate everything that you do for FBA and um, our industry. And, uh, you know, working hard to make sure that every home and business is connected with fiber by the end of the decade. So it looks like we're, we're on the right trajectory. So thanks everybody for joining us today. Look forward to getting back together next Wednesday for our fourth episode of our Inner Quantum series. And our guest is gonna be one of my favorite quantum physicists, uh, Dr. Duncan Earle, who's the physicist and founder of Cubatech. He's gonna be discussing uh, quantum technology, securing critical infrastructure and sensitive data. So you're not gonna to wanna to miss that. So please, uh, after you eat your, before you eat your turkey for Christmas, come join us and we'll be, hanging out with Duncan Earl and talking about quantum stuff. So I love it. <laughs>
I will see you guys. Hope you guys have a great holiday and uh, see you guys next week.